Welcome to Witch and Goddess. I'm your host, Patty Black. I'm a witch, a teacher, and priestess. Goddess devotion is an essential part of my craft, and many goddesses are my cohorts in magic. Each episode, we explore a different goddess, her lore, and how to connect with her energetically and magically. We're back. Back with the Supreme, the all-knowing, the original spooky mama, Hecate. Thank you to everyone who has listened to her first episode, and of course, all of the other episodes of Witch and Goddess. If you're a follower of Hecate and would like to share any personal stories about connection with her or any unique ways you honor her, I'd love for you to leave a voice message on the Witch and Goddess page on Anchor FM. Just click that message button and tell me about it. I might even include your message in our next Hecatean episode. Hecate's long history of worship has resulted in hundreds of epithets. There are entire websites devoted to the collection and recording of her alternate names and titles. Her witch cult is currently thriving, and she is a living goddess, which means Hecate is filling new roles and gaining attributes, like Spooky Mama, which is a new epithet I just gave her. I don't know, somebody else has likely called her that before but I think we can safely say that it is a modern epithet. In this second part of her series, I want to look at some of her most well-known epithets and aspects. First, let's look at Hecate as a mother goddess. So much emphasis is put on her darker aspects, which of course I'm enchanted by, and we will discuss later in the episode. But her amazing ability to come through with caring, motherly energy gets a little lost. I think we do Hecate a disservice, and ourselves, if we overlook her as a mother goddess. Aside from her important roles as dark mother and mother of witches, Hecate has been called genitera, meaning mother, pomator, which is mother of all, and koratrophos, which means nurse of children. She was also called all-nurturing, all-sustaining, and one who feeds all. Hecate was known for protection of mother and child during delivery. She is the goddess of transition and thresholds, and death and birth are thresholds. They are two sides of the same coin, which is abundantly clear in the harrowing hours of childbirth. So we see Hecate was known as a traditional nurturer to children, a mother to individuals, and more broadly, as a great mother goddess and mother of all things. She is considered by many followers as the world soul, the creatrix, and the very source of all life. I experience her mothering in several ways. As a firm hand urging me towards growth in my magic, she lets me know when she thinks that I can do better, and when she knows that I'm being a bit lazy. She's also the most comforting guide, steady and sure, when I'm hurting and struggling. Hecate is more widely recognized as Dea Chthonia, the underworld goddess. Chthonic deities are connected to, or more often inhabit, the underworld. Central to this role is the well-known story of Hecate guiding Persephone to and from the underworld every year. She is widely known as the leader of the restless dead, otherwise known as Hecate's horde. Her connection to the dead provides a possible explanation for her association with dogs. Ancient Greeks believed that the souls of the unburied dead were likely to appear in the form of dogs. She is the keeper of keys and guardian of the gates to the underworld. 
I think of Hecatechothonia as equally connected to the dead and to the physical and symbolic descent into the depth and darkness of earth. Her chthonic themes include death, transformation, rest, spiritual journeys, and shadow work. She encourages us to descend to meet our shadows, to get very comfortable, even friendly, with our darkness. There are many ways to do shadow work, and Hecate of the Underworld is well suited to support it. The earth and soil are powerful tools in shadow work and magic. I love the act of ritually burying something, a shadow trait or an old wound, for example. I offer it to the earth, or Hecate Chthonia, either symbolically or as a written petition for slow but steady transformation, healing, or integration. We associate the Chthonic aspect of Hecate with earth and can connect to her near caves, in basements, or just low to the ground. References in ancient literature suggest that Hecatean rites and acts of magic were performed at a Chthonic altar, which was a pit dug into the earth with a fire to the side. Another of Hecate's honorary titles is Enodia. The word Enodia has been linked as an aspect of Hecate since the 4th century BCE, but it's also the name of a unique goddess who came to be almost entirely conflated with Hecate. Enodia, which translates to in the road or of the road, was an ancient underworld goddess. Her worship was active in ancient Greece prior to the 5th century BCE. According to author Sarita de Este, some of Hecate's more ominous qualities, like association with ghosts, dog sacrifice, and baneful witchcraft, were also prominent features of the cult of Enodia. Hecate Enodia is called the Night Wandering Goddess. I think that title suits. Personally, I feel her presence most clearly on empty streets and roads late at night, especially on colder nights. She has often been a savior to the desperate and the vulnerable and those traveling dark roads. When Hecate was widely known as Enodia, there were definite connotations to being outside the accepted norms of womanhood. To be a woman of the road indicated a wild and perhaps dangerously uncivilized nature. I don't think it's a stretch to say that many of Hecate's modern followers can relate to the idea of being considered dangerous and wild. As a title, Enodia is also connected to Hecate's association with crossroads, specifically those places where three roads meet. It is said that the goddess Enodia was a guardian and protectress of those traveling roadways. Now, traveling in ancient times would have been dangerous, so as narrow as that role may seem, it would have been really important to the followers. Hecate seems to have absorbed Enodia's position as protector of the roads and expanded it into one of general protection and guardianship, especially over women and her followers. Dr. Cindy Brannon says that Hecate as Enodia is the primal guide along the mother road. Indeed, another translation of Enodia is the way. It's not uncommon for Hecate's devotees to liken her to a guide on life's journey or as a companion on their path. And it may seem vague, but I found a lot of us really do experience her as a guide or as the road itself, leading us down sometimes dark and nearly always winding paths, waiting when we falter, 
helping us navigate the turns. Brimo is often listed as a well-known aspect of Hecate, but Brimo was also the name of a Thessalian goddess before she was conflated with Hecate. I like to acknowledge the ancient, lesser-known deities who seem to have been absorbed by the threefold goddess. I don't think of it as weakening her at all. Rather, it helps me understand how she can contain so many attributes, so much power and presence. She's containing and carrying on the power of so many of these deities, goddesses who would have been forgotten by time. But now they're here, in this one mega package that history cannot ignore. But back to Brimo, Hecate's channel of righteous anger. This epithet is applied to Demeter, Persephone, and Kybele as well, which proves the point every woman is entitled to express her rage. The name translates as angry one, crackling flame, and terrifying. All of which, for the record, I am absolutely here for. I can't help it. I know it says a lot about my unresolved trauma. But my heart does a little dance when I think of pillars of the patriarchy, aghast and petrified by a screaming witch goddess. Now, Brimo emphasizes righteous rage. We get the message in many forms throughout our lives that anger is dangerous, that rage is to be denied, that these emotions are undesirable and purely damaging. Or, as I was taught, anger is unacceptable and not within my rights as a girl. It's really no wonder we have so much trouble accessing and expressing these feelings. Righteous is defined as morally right or justifiable. And I believe in justifiable rage. I do. I also believe that it doesn't have to be justified by anyone outside of yourself. It doesn't matter if your partner doesn't completely get why you're so mad. It doesn't even matter if you don't understand why you're so angry. That anger is still there. You're not imagining it, and it needs to be expressed. Does that mean that we allow our rage to burn out of control, or that we allow it to hurt others? Of course not. In fact, if we're acknowledging, honoring, and expressing our anger as it comes up, rather than stuffing it down, biting our tongues, willing the flames to subside, it's far less likely to have those damaging outcomes. When we deny our rage, we damage ourselves. We damage our relationships. We dishonor the goddess who is part of us. And, if it helps to think of it this way, we dishonor an important aspect of Hecate. Hecate Brimo has lessons for us. Don't know where to put that rage? Offer it to the terrifying one herself. Take it to the altar and pound your fists. Fucking howl. Channel it into art, a scathing letter, or political action. Rage is powerful and intensely purifying. It is my humble opinion that if we, as witches with a capital W, are keeping our anger in neat boxes, deep in our guts, we are not accessing our full power. In fact, I believe unexpressed rage corrupts our power. Dracaena, meaning serpent, is just one of several epithets connecting Hecate to snakes. She's described as coiled with snakes, with snaky curls girl with flaming serpents, encircled by serpents, and intertwined with snakes, over her shoulders, coiled around her arms, or worn as a living belt, serpents are nearly always included on her statues and in art featuring her. Snakes are common imagery of ancient goddesses, 
and Sarita de Este notes in Circle for Hecate that spirits who are connected to magic and spell work are consistently portrayed with snakes. Hecate has also been called Ouroboros and shown alongside the circular symbol of a snake swallowing its own tail. It is considered a symbol of wholeness or infinity through the unending cycle of death and rebirth. The Ouroboros is commonly associated with Greek magic and with alchemy. Aside from the magical connection, snakes are an apt symbol of Hecate's chthonic aspect. Serpent imagery brings to mind primal energy, power, hidden things, danger, and proximity to earth. So maybe you can relate to this, maybe not. Sometimes, when I've been digging around in ancient sources, I can get a little caught up, a little overwhelmed by the contradictory analysis, wondering what is, quote, true. I try to take a step back and remember that these seemingly hallowed resources come from humans. Maybe thousands of years ago, yes, but humans, experiencing and striving to express and record their experiences of divinity. And I remind myself that I happen to be a human experiencing divinity, and that my experiences and my understanding of these deities are valid. Ancient sources are a valuable tool in understanding the origins and early years of a deity. And ancient practices are fascinating to study. They can inform and enrich our methods, but they aren't necessarily more meaningful than modern practice. If you are able to interact with a deity, that deity is obviously still evolving in a modern context. And I happen to believe that the gods are far more flexible than we might assume. I guess it's obvious that I'm not a reconstructionist. I do believe that there is an undeniable power in rituals and spells repeated over thousands of years, but it's not the only way to make magic. Your own experience of a goddess is legitimate, even if it isn't validated in the Greek magical papyri. If you'd like to hear more from me, or you'd like to work with me, you can visit my website, blackbirdmagic.com. That's magic spelled with a K. I offer one-on-one mentoring, customized to discover your desires and goals for your craft, to identify your unique magical gifts, or even for a private lesson on a technique or spell you've wanted to learn. If you have any questions or comments about the podcast, you can always click the message button on the Witch and Goddess page at Anchor FM, or you can find me on Instagram at Witch and Goddess Pod. Sources for this episode include Circle for Hecate, by Sarita de Este, Keeping Her Keys by Cindy Brannan, The Temple of Hecate by Tara Sanchez, and Singing for Her, a website featuring writings by Sarah Croft. How does she show up for you? How do you experience her? How are you called to her? You can leave voice messages with your experiences of the goddesses I have covered, or general questions and comments about the intersection of goddess work and witchcraft. It's easy to record a voice message for me by going to the Witch and Goddess page on anchor.fm. You'll see a little plus sign icon with the word message. Let me know at the beginning if you'd like me to include the message in an episode. Then just click that baby and talk to me. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe and share this podcast with fellow magical people. You can directly support this show by visiting the Witch and Goddess page at anchor.fm and clicking that support button. 
follow the show on Instagram at Witch and Goddess Pod, or find my program's classes and groups at blackbirdmagic.com, on Facebook at Blackbird Magic, or email me at witchandgoddesspod at gmail.com. <laughs>